mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am Sean, your host and sometimes moderator, and with me, as always, the titan of technology, Sean P. Yeah, and by always, you mean like three times in the last seven months, something like that? You, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Sean recently returned from a stint uh, in Chinese captivity, uh, much like Jack Bauer did uh, in several of the seasons of 24. And uh, so, yeah, it's actually uh, good to see your face for a change. Yeah, it was actually a giant work project, but Chinese captivity isn't a bad comp. I uh, I think those two things are probably closer <laughs> than you want to let on. Probably so, actually. <laughs> good times. So it's been a little while, and there's a lot of tech news to cover. So what we really wanted to do was primarily start with uh, the biggest news that came out from Samsung today, and that was uh, some leaks surrounding the Note 9. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for smartphones in this year of our Lord, 2018. But what did we, uh, what did we see today from the leaked image about this Note 9, Sean? We've seen some leaked images before on leaks back in June, leaked his, you know, render as he does of the phone. And I would say it's virtually indistinguishable from the Note 8. Um, Today, Android, I think it was a headliner authority, not sure which, they leaked another render from the front. And side by side with the Note 8, they literally are indistinguishable from the front. And this is coming from a guy that has a Note 8 and also is nerdy enough to be blogging about smartphones. If I can't tell the difference, I don't think your average consumer is either. Um, moving around back, Samsung say made the drastic design change of moving the fingerprint center sensor slightly below the camera as opposed to aside it. But other than that, you guessed it, the back looks the same too. It's, a, it's very strange to be in a position where you're looking at something that someone tells you is different but looks identical to something you've already had for... When was the when was the no date launched again? I mean back in August of last year. Okay. So it's July. So next month it'll be a year. So the phone that they're preparing to announce in less than 30 days now looks virtually indistinguishable from the one that they launched a year ago. That's correct. This seems to be a common theme for Samsung this year. So there, there, here's some key differences. Okay, so let's let's run through the specs. You still have a QHD plus screen, so it's 2960 by 1440. I'm sure it'll be a beautiful AMOLED screen. It's supposed to be brighter than ever, blah, 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 blah. I think we're used to that, par for the course from Samsung. Every year's screen is the best screen ever. Um, other good news, I mean, it has the table stakes for smartphones, so it has Snapdragon 845. It sounds like there's going to be different variants, so there's like going to be a 6 gigabyte of RAM, probably 64 gig of memory variant, and then it sounds like there may be a 8 gig of RAM, 256 gigabyte variant, and then up to 512 gigabytes in some markets. It's unclear what market is getting what at this point. Historically, the United States gets one SKU, so I would imagine we'll probably get the 6 gigabyte one. Um, Beyond that, the big changes this year are a giant battery. So this is a big plus. Ever since the Note 7 you know, spontaneously combusted, they've been pretty conservative with battery, but they're stepping it up to 4,000 milliamp hours, which is by far the largest size battery we've ever had in a Samsung phone. It's big. Um, it's actually a really good size big, especially for what we'll see with the improved efficiency in the Snapdragon 845 and presumably, uh, remind me, what's the Exynos 9810? It's the Exynos 9810, which yeah. is not the most efficient processor on planet Earth, but with that size battery, it shouldn't matter. So 
what else? SD card slot, wireless charging. Um, still has a headphone jack, which is nice. I'm glad Samsung did it. As far as dimensions, it is literally about a half millimeter shorter. It's wider, which is interesting. That leads me to believe that they're even going to curve the sides slightly less than they did last year, which is good. I think a lot of people... The S9 Plus has more aggressive um, side uh, angle of attack, I guess, if you will, on the side of the screen, and the notes tend to be a little bit flatter, and it looks like this is going to be flatter yet, but when I'm looking at this, it's it's interesting. Wait, 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 wait. You left out oh, the, the most important <laughs> part of the new sorry, Note 9, sorry. the thing that changes everything. It's going to have a Bluetooth S Pen. Okay, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I, I take it all back. That doesn't change anything. I've been trying to wrap my head around. People are like, oh, this is amazing somehow. And I'm trying to think, even in my wildest imagination, of things that could make that super useful. I'm really struggling. So it, am I going to have to charge it? No. It apparently charges when it's docked inside of the device. It just like feeds like a, I don't know, like a, a fucking, what do you call that? Uh, uh, I have no idea, but I'll tell you this. A virus? Uh, if they released a damn Bluetooth S Pen, which is Bluetooth, meaning it runs on its own independent battery, and if it's one more goddamn thing I got to charge, no, no, I'm no. going to be pissed. It charges, but the, the leaksters are like, oh, this makes a huge difference, and it's going to do all these things, and I'm like, what? And the examples they've said so far are like, oh, you can use it to trigger the camera, so you can put your phone... I don't know, across the room and then use it to take a picture of something? Well, while that's not completely useless, I would say it's like... Couldn't I just use, like, the timer? I, I feel like it's 99% useless. Okay. That's, so, that's fair. I mean, I, it remains to be seen. Maybe they will show something that, like, blows our minds with the Bluetooth S Pen, but I'm super skeptical. I, I would probably put pencil me into the skeptical market as well. Right, so... See what I did there? Yeah, I... I don't want to, but I do. So, <laughs> so here, here's the deal. Like, this is the same thing. You, you probably, for those of us, those of you that have looked at our S9 Plus review, I kind of said this phone's great and I would recommend it highly. And yet, I'm so bored, I want to cry. And I feel even more so that way with the Note 9. And the thing that's interesting is Samsung's profits this last quarter it broke their streak of increasing pro of increasing um, profit because. No one's buying the S9 and S9 Plus. Now, that's an exaggeration. People are buying them. It's still the best-selling Android phone. But it's way down from the S8. And the reason for that, again, is it's just so boring. It's the same phone. I think it's it's really difficult to justify upgrading. And, again, you're talking about a guy that upgrades every year, so I clearly have problems. But I'm going to probably not buy the Note 9. Like, I'm looking at it going, I'm probably just going to wait for the S10 Plus because... They're supposed to do a, a brand new design language and whatnot in the new generation next year. And I don't know why I would spend $800 to buy a phone that is literally my phone with a larger battery and a slightly more powerful processor. This is definitely the issue that, um, that we covered in the S9 Plus and we talked a little bit about in other segments of our podcast. And that's Samsung seems to be, at least, kind of punting this year. And there are a lot of different reasons that could be behind that. Uh, some people have speculated that because next year is their 10th anniversary, they're saving some of the technology for their 10th anniversary phone, a la kind of what Apple did with the iPhone 10. Some people have speculated that the technology is just not ready, and so that's why it hasn't made it into these phones, and so they're basically just kind of, hey, we fixed the fingerprint sensor, everybody's happy, and we slapped a new processor in it. 
But regardless of the reasons, the actual reasons why, and I do think that the increase in the battery capacity is actually a good thing because as long as it doesn't blow up or catch fire, that's definitely an improvement. But the real sticking point is they do look the same. They have, and this is kind of the thing that we've harped on for, with Apple for many years, the 6 and the 6S and the 7 and the 7S and the 8 all look the same. They're the same chassis. There's some minor cosmetic differences, but virtually the footprint is the same. So you could take a case, uh, generally speaking, that's made for the iPhone 6 and apply it to the iPhone 8. And it's bizarre why anybody would think that they could continue to do that and get away with it. Well, you know what's interesting is the, like one of the first comments on the Reddit post was, oh, look, it's the Samsung Galaxy Note 8S. And it, it's it's like you said, I don't know, Apple at this point could, you know, take horse shit and put it in a bag and charge $1,000 for it, and their fans, at least some of them, would actually buy it. They can get away, apparently, with using the same design year after year, too, and people will still buy the phone in huge numbers. But... Samsung, for whatever reason, decided they could get away with that, too, and I think it's pretty clear that they can't. For whatever reason, Android people, I don't know, and again, we're kind of the hardcore market, so to speak, but it's like, we are interested in the next newest thing, and having the same phone two years in a row isn't the way to do it. I think the thing that's doubly kind of, like, bad about this is when you're looking at this year, the phones that are interesting are coming from, like, Chinese manufacturers. So it's like you have the Oppo Find X, I don't know if I want my phone to have this mechanical thing that opens up the cameras on the top, but I do have to say, like, the form factor is striking. It looks like, you know, a next-generation device. And even the same with the Vivo Next to a a certain extent. It's like that pop-up camera and the no bezel, it it looks next-generation and novel, whereas Samsung literally took the same chassis, effectively, made some subtle changes and tried to charge top-end prices again. It's like... I don't know. If they expected the market to eat these up in huge numbers, I think they really are misreading the way things are. And I think for me, it's a collective shrug. Um, And see, this is where we differ a little bit because I absolutely want a phone that has a pop-up chassis. If the bare minimum is a pop-up selfie camera, that is 100% win in my book because it also makes way for things like smaller bezels and under glass fingerprint scanners and other hella cool stuff that I can't think of right now. But this rolls into the larger discussion, which for those of you who listened to um, the other episodes of the podcast recently, or maybe have checked out our YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory product, <sighs> product placement here. Ouch. The, the, the rant, as you so delicately put it, has basically, I think to me, is really just pointing out the obvious. And that is... 2018 so far has been a disappointing year for smartphones. Fight me. So, okay, last year, I think you all remembered if you listened, we were pretty hyped about 2017. We thought it was going to be a great year. And I think by and by it was. Absolutely. We started to see new form factors and a lot of interesting stuff. And I felt like each company kind of brought their A game. 2018 feels like a transitionary year. So here's what we have. So I'm going to go back to a point that you just said and disagree, which is I want the pop-up cameras and stuff. I, I view the pop-up camera much as the same way that I do the notch, which is it's we're trying to have bezel-less phones and we haven't figured a way to incorporate these things underneath the screen the way that you would actually want them to be. So instead, we'll do these mechanical things, which, while fine, like I can live with the mechanical thing, and it's not the worst solution, but I think it is going to be more fragile. It causes issues with cases. Um, so 
I don't know if it, I think it's a solution to the problem. I don't think it's the solution to the problem. But this year, I think we, we run into the same thing. Like, we hit this weird transition period where we're moving away from bezels completely. Like, we're going to have bezel-less phones. It's basically almost here, and you're seeing it with these phones. But we haven't figured out how that, what that really looks like yet. So what you have is a hodgepodge of a bunch of manufacturers just said, best we can do is the notch, so we're going to roll with that this year because it looks like everyone else is doing it, so what the hell. And then you have Samsung that said, we're not doing a notch, presumably because they don't want to be seen copying Apple and because I, I don't actually think it's a good design element. And so they just copied their design from last year because they weren't ready, apparently, to jump to the bezel-less or even to get rid of the bottom bezel for whatever reason. So that's why this year feels so strange. It's very clear, like you're seeing it with these phones, that like the ones that I just mentioned, that bezel-less is here. Next year, I expect most phones to be like truly bezel-less with some kind of pop-up, or maybe they'll just have the top bezel only with sensors. I don't know. But this trend of notches, I kind of hope goes away. But I, I feel like because we have every phone has it. So again, going over the list of phone that has notches is a long list. Like the Pixel 3 XL is going to have it, and it has a large notch, folks. Very and then, big. And then we have, you know, the G7 had it. The OnePlus 6 has it. Um the P20 Pro, yep. uh, the P20, uh, you know, it, Xiaomi Mi 8. Um, most of the flagship phones this year have a notch, uh, and most of them in the Android world, all of them basically also have a chin to go with it. So I, I don't know. It, it feels like a transition year where we're just going like, okay, the screen-to-bezel ratio is better than last year, for instance, in a lot of cases, but I'm not actually sure it's a better solution. Like, I actually think the LG V30 looked better than the G7, I prefer that very small top and bottom, but they're uniform notch look to the what we got. Yeah, and for me, ultimately, and I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because I, I have to get this off my chest. Okay, so pop-up selfie cameras, pop-up top frames. Honestly, I don't, I don't give a shit if it causes a problem with the case. I, I, don't, I don't care if the case is missing the top half of itself. IP68 or 67, throw that shit out the window. Because I will tell you, here's my first thing. Number one, if I could if I could walk down the street and pull out either of these two phones out of my pocket and have shit just randomly start popping out of it, people on the street are gonna see me and they're gonna lose their goddamn minds. That is cool. Under glass fingerprint sensors, those are cool. Here's the second thing. That's not going to happen because I can't get either of these goddamn phones shipped here to the United States because they're only going to be sold overseas. So, coolness factor aside, and yes, absolutely, we are the hardcore enthusiasts. We want the biggest, latest, best. We want all of the technology, and we want it now. So, to recap, uh, 2016 to 2017, we saw... Samsung changed the Galaxy S line. They went from the G7 and the G... Uh, the S7. The, the S7 and the S7 Plus, which still had the physical button and kind of chunky bezels relative to you know where we're at right now. And they went to the S8, which is a much more modern language design, got rid of the physical home button, did some great things. Both the G6 and the V30 from LG were very good phones. The V30 more so than the G6, but... They're doing some good stuff with the dual cameras and the wide angle, and yes, small top and bottom bezels. You know, OLED panel might have been not fantastic, but you know, overall good phone. V30 plus large capacities, you get 128 gigs of storage plus SD card slot plus headphone jack equals really good value to phone if you can get it, you know, $600 or less. HTC U11, 
Really good. Maybe the most underrated phone of 2017. Solid phone, great performer, really good camera, good display, felt good in hand, boom sound, all the all the boxes checked. Thank you, PG. And then you come with the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 XL. Pixel 2, little underwhelming, great display, big chunky bezels, front-facing speakers, no headphone jack. Pixel 2 XL, maybe phone of the year in some people's minds. Um, certainly up there with the Note 8 in terms of Overall performance, reduced bezels, front-facing speakers, IP67 water resistance. Again, maybe not the best panel from uh, from LG, but certainly an improvement over the Pixel OG. And then, of course, the Note 8, which came on later out in the year. Um, Improved design, better everything, which, again, from 2016 to 2017, what we're really talking about is old phone blew up, new phone doesn't blow up. So 2017, pretty goddamn successful year in terms of most smartphone OEMs. Now we get to 2018, and if what we were expecting was that same size significance of improvement year over year, we absolutely did not get it. I think we actually got a regression in some cases, which may be even worse. Like, I would say the G7 is, it's fine, it's a good phone, but like compared to the V30, I think I actually prefer the V30. And a a strong argument could be made for a lot of people that for them the V30 would be better, but yes. And then HTC with the U12 Plus, like it... No one's buying it, so it doesn't matter anyway because it's unlocked. But, but, what, about the the user, but what about the U12? The re- the, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. wait. There's yeah. no U12. There's just a U12+. Plus. And the reviews were pretty... They shit all over the phone. Okay, yeah. The, the whole, That's being nice, The whole the not way. having buttons thing is definitely a problem. So when you're looking at the year... And, and Samsung just bores us because they basically brought out the same phone again. Hey, we fixed the fingerprint sensor placement. You're welcome. And they, they did do some meaningful things. Like, I don't want to completely shit on Samsung. They've... It looks like they're increasing battery capacity, which is no trivial thing. They kept the headphone jack, which is, again, is a, a good decision. SD card year. slot, yeah. SD so. card slot. So they, there's still a lot of good things, but they certainly didn't move the goalposts any. And, again, these smaller Chinese manufacturers are eating their lunch as far as the excitement factor is concerned. Although, I will say this. You said it earlier. Like, I would buy it just to have shit pop out and press people on the street. I've read the Vivo Next review on GSM Arena. It wasn't pretty. Like, I think it's one of those phones that, yeah... For the five seconds when someone sees the pop-out camera and goes, that's cool, you're like, fuck yeah, best one ever. <laughs> but then when you're using it the rest of the time, you're like, the skin is atrocious, the uh, skin, you know, like, the screen's okay, the cameras are okay. Vivo, like, Vivo, you had one job. One job! Well, they did it, the pop-up camera's a thing. That's, that's pretty much but, I guess it's just like it's you know, and then the other phone that really looks intriguing this year from a design standpoint is actually the Xiaomi Mi Mix Three, which also is sporting this kind of uniform but bezel-less with a pop-up camera, maybe. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But yeah, the stand. I guess really this sums it up for me. The standout phones for me that I think are the most interesting this year. My phone of the year so far is the OnePlus Six. Yeah, having spent a lot of time with it, my brother just bought one. It's Fabulous, and I know it has a notch, which I just I just shit all over the notch. But like, the notch is small, and the face unlock is so ridiculously fast. You, it's faster than a fingerprint scanner. I don't even know what to say. Now I know you can print a three D picture of your face or whatever and fool it, but screw it. That's a risk I'm willing to take. And I'm definitely about to get into Eric's phone doing that. Yeah, so. and then I think the second most interesting phone this year for me is like the Huawei P20 Pro. Like mm. they at least brought the triple camera. Some of the stuff they're doing with night mode is really intriguing. The chassis itself, the two tone look was yeah. really cool, sick looking. So you know when you're setting up the year and it's like those are the phones that are most interesting is these Chinese bezel-less phones. Um, and then the OnePlus 6, 
you know, you just look at that and you're like, man, this year's and the and the P20 Pro. It's like this has been a weird year. Like I'm not, na- you'll notice I'm not naming any of the big boys, and that's not to say that I would recommend those phones over. Like I'm not sure I would buy. I know I wouldn't. In fact, if you said pick a Vivo next or pick the Note Nine, I'd be like Note Nine. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Because I want the phone that actually like works, works. right? But. It, it, I don't know. It's hard to feel excited. And like the pixels, I think the smaller Pixel 3 looks pretty nice. But really, it's it's it looks very similar to the Galaxy S8. I mean, it's nothing Yeah, it's and, nothing and very crazy. similar to the Pixel 2 XL when it comes down to it. And and then you have the, the 3XL, which has a notch. I'll reserve judgment until I see it in person, but in renders, it's certainly not the most handsome phone. And then... No, and I would wager to say the only reason they're going to call it the Pixel 3XL is because the notch is extra large. Plus, it's got the dual front-facing cameras, which gives us this weird, creepy robot face staring at you from the cameras kind of look. It's just, it's bizarre. And uh, again, you can watch me go nuts on several videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, but I have a, you know, this, my, my blanket statement is this may be the first year in several years that I don't buy the Pixel slash Nexus phone. And I say that having owned the Nexus 6P, the Pixel original XL, and the Pixel 2 XL. So for several years, and owning Nexus devices prior to that, for several years in a row, every year when I'm upgrading, that's the phone I'm getting. Blanket statement, full stop. And this year, that might not be the case. And that that's disappointing to me, especially from company from a company like Google, which I think had a real opportunity here to jump in and do something significant in a time when we know that a lot of people aren't doing something significant, with the exception and all you know, all credit to um, to Huawei and to OnePlus and to Xiaomi and some of these other companies that are actually doing innovative things with their de- with their devices. But the end result is is that none of this uh, could. Well, let me say it this way. This could have been an opportunistic year for Google to get into a market and say, hey, no notch. We still got some great stuff. Um, come and get it. Those of you that are tired of the Samsung sameness, come and get our come and get our stuff and, and make it hot. And they just they didn't do that. And it reminds me in a lot of ways of last year when we're talking about Samsung had an opportunity to, to kind of jump in and take some market share from Apple. And they just they didn't. They didn't do it. Now, I want to say this, too. My track record on this is dog shit because I'm the guy that every year is like, I'm not spending that much on the Note 7. And then I'm like, oh, just kidding. I'm going to buy that. And then I was like, I'm not spending that much on an S8 Plus. And it's like, ah, oh, just kidding. I'm going to buy that. And then it's like, oh, I'm definitely not going to get a Note 8. And now I'm sitting here with a Note 8. So, and I do have you on video record saying that you were very much looking forward to the G7, by the way. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. So anyway. A swing and a miss for strike three. Everyone, everyone makes mistakes in life. Um <laughs> Right now, I don't foresee myself probably buying a Note 9. I re- I'll reserve judgment because I've changed my mind before. But I have to say, like, I'm actually contemplating if the Xiaomi Mi Mix 3 comes in at the right price point, I might try that just to try something different. Or the OnePlus 6T might be something I'd try. In all likelihood, I'll probably wait till the S10 Plus. The rumors are like, you know, new, for- new form factor, triple camera, um, in display fingerprint scanner. So it sounds like it's kind of the phone we've been waiting for and hoped maybe some of the other Samsung phones would be this year and, and weren't. So I, in all likelihood, I'll hold out till then. But I think the fact that I'm just looking around at other phones speaks to how boring this year has been. And also to your point, the other interesting thing about Google that I want to bring up is, so why did Google get into the hardware game in the first place? And why did they do the Nexus in the first place, right? It was always this, we want to push the envelope. The vision of what Android 
can it's, be, should be. It's the vision of Android, but it was also, they were pushing features early on too, yeah. right? It was like, they, they were the first to do certain things. And so it's weird to me that they push so hard on software. They're, they're kind of the benchmark for s- smoothness on an Android phone and all of these things. And they seem content to be a me too on hardware. Yeah. And I don't understand why. I mean, it, to me, it would have been a lot more interesting if Google was going to ape someone this year, instead of aping the stupid notch trend, steal from Xiaomi. Mm. If they had made a phone with just a very tiny bottom bezel or a pop-up camera even or whatever, like, I think I would have had a lot more respect from them from the standpoint of like, okay, you didn't just, you didn't just jump on the notch wagon, do what everyone else does and release a, no- release a notch phone. You kind of looked around the market, looked at what was out there and decided you wanted to chart your own path forward. And instead, they didn't do that. And they're still pushing some features. You know, to my knowledge, they're the only notch phone that has, it's going to have stereo speakers, I think, for instance. Um, the the G7 has their, like, boombox speaker. But, but it's bottom-facing, right? The uh, bottom one's bot- the It uses the earpiece for one, and then it's bottom-firing yes. for the other, whereas the, the Pixel 3 XL actually dual has front dual front. Yeah, correct. So, but this is one of those things, too, as, like, a, a consequence of that. Because they're also doing two front cameras, it looks like. The yes. notch is huge. And I guess my question is, in today's market, how important are front-facing stereo speakers to consumers? Because they, the, they got rid of the headphone jack. So if they had, for instance, said, you know what? We don't have front-facing stereo speakers anymore, but we're getting rid of the bezel. We're doing a pop-up camera, but you're getting your headphone jack back. I really feel like people overall would have been a lot happier with that as opposed to what we're getting. Yeah, and I, I'd buy the hell out of that. And... I agree. I think, and ultimately, I said this in another video too, is I expect more from Google. I expect that they got these 2000 HTC engineers so they could kind of strike their own path, specifically as it refers to phone hardware. And if you look back at the U11 and the U12 Plus, neither of these phones have notches and both made by HTC. And it's this HTC engineering talent that Google acquired. So why the notch? Like, why is there anybody really that is clamoring? And again, to your point, is there anybody that's clamoring? Hey, I need two freaking front facing selfie cameras. Like I get that people take a lot of selfies and maybe, uh, this will help with the depth effect or the bokeh that people are looking at, but they can do incredible things with smartphone cameras these days. And Google especially is pretty much in the catbird seat as far as mobile photography is concerned. I don't think they need two front-facing cameras. And by the way, it looks like on the rear, they're still sticking with one, one. while everyone else is at two or three. <clears throat> so on the back, they clearly, and they proved this last year too, that you don't need dual. Like the Pixel 2 XL was still the best. You know, so this year, it's a weird decision of like, eh, we're still going to do one on the back, but for some reason, we're going to do two on the front. And Maybe it's for something else. Maybe they have some really fancy face detection or something. But like, again, that's I would say, it, you know, maybe that will be the case. And maybe that's what we're looking at here, but... It's certainly a better theory than they just wanted a creepy robot face. I, I don't know. I still question their decision, though. I don't quite understand what we're getting. So, and, and just to not let Apple off the hook, because I never want to let Apple off the hook, unless hey, no. you think they're going to save us, it's like... What are we getting from Apple? Well, we're getting a new iPhone 10 that looks exactly the same. Then we're getting a giant iPhone 10 that looks the, sports the same design language. iPhone XS Plus. I don't know what they're going to call it. Who knows? And their naming convention iPhone XL. And then their volume model is going to be the 6.1-inch LCD version. Correct. So it's like this weird... Allegedly. So 
the flagship, it's first of all strange that the order is not by screen size, which is I think is going to confuse consumers. Yeah, the but, 10 will be smaller and have an OLED panel, and then the next larger up panel will be more like the regular iPhone 8 and 8 Plus are today. Yeah, and then from a design standpoint, the LCD, because it requires an actual screen um, controller, mm-hmm. uh, the bezels are larger on the volume iPhone. So the iPhone 10 is a good-looking phone, I would say, overall, but the, it's definitely like it has pretty thick borders if you're actually looking at it. Yes. I think they're 4 millimeters, and on the LCD, it's going to be 5, and I've seen renders, and I look at it and go... While it doesn't look bad, I would say the design language, again, already looks dated to me, which is insane. I mean, again, when I'm looking at the Oppo Find X next to the iPhone X, which I've seen pictures side by side, the Oppo Find X shits all over it from a design standpoint. It looks, again, it looks a generation or two ahead, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened this year. It's a strange year. It is, and and I agree with you from the standpoint of I think that what we're really looking at is transition. And it could just be that. It could be just that the technology for full screen phones is not mature yet. And I think even Apple is kind of getting to this place where they recognize that the notch is not the perfect solution. And yeah, they wanted to remove the home button. And so to get rid of touch ID, you have to have a new biometric authentication system that's just as secure and just as easy to use for consumers. And so face ID is kind of the bastard brainchild of that. And and ultimately, even they know that the notch is going to go away eventually. And what we have is several OEMs kind of flailing about trying to find what the right reason or what the right solution is. So Samsung's solution is small top and bottom bezels. We'll cram as many sensors as we can in there and just give it a whirl. And other other OEMs are like, no, we're going to copy uh, Apple with the notch. and We're going to do the bunny ears thing. And it gives you more display. And other OEMs are going to the mechanical solutions with the, the front-facing and even in the Find X's case, the front and rear-facing cameras. So there, there's a lot of thrashing around trying to discover the smartphones of the future and how we're going to create them. And we just don't know where we're going to go with it yet. And, and that's okay. I mean, some of this has to be growing pains. And that's, I think, where we're at right now. 2017 is a growing pains year. 2018. 2018 is a growing pains year. What year is it again? 2018, as it turns out. Damn it. The You were close. Only missed it by a year. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the real crux of this is, is I don't think it should be any surprise to anyone that most smartphone OEMs' profits are probably going to be down because... There isn't really a good reason for consumers to upgrade. And the maybe gigantic leap forward that we're going to get in 2019. See, I got the ear right there. Congratulations. Maybe the giant leap forward we're going to see in 2019 might be worth it enough to hold off not not buying anything this year. Yeah, I think the other thing here that stands out is like, I saw Andrief from uh, Anantech, who's kind of my favorite like tech writer for uh, technical stuff, and and the Snapdragon 835 was such a great chip. The 845, while slightly better, is just that, like slightly better. Um, so we're not getting leaps on that side anymore either. It just was a very kind of, and again, that's not to say the 845 is a bad chip by any means. It's a great chip. I, I don't have any beef with it, but it's just one of those things where there's just this year, there's just nothing going on that really warrants, I think, consumers' attention. So 
people that need an upgrade and maybe even holding off, sure, they did it this year. Like, my brother had a Nexus 6P that has that lovely feature where the battery just dies whenever it feels like it. So he needed an upgrade, and, you know, for 550 bucks, we got him an 8 gigabyte, 128 gig of memory, one plus six, and he loves it. It's a great phone. Like, it's it's great. So for a guy like him that's spent a couple of years, and he had a Snapdragon 810 device, so it's like, you know, the worst chip ever. Yeah, so for him, uh, for him, he gets that new phone, he's like, holy shit, this phone's amazing. But again, I think the OnePlus 6 is a standout phone for me this year, and everything else is, I don't know, man. It's been rough. There's not a lot of good things to say about this year in terms of overall smartphones and there have been a couple uh the one plus six immediately comes to mind my only beef with them was it's a terrific phone and a great value for the money and i said this in my rant the other day you know what else was a terrific phone and a great value for the money the one plus 5t and the one plus 5 and the one plus 3t like all of those phones have been terrific phones and great value for the money they do have some really good features they're amongst the performance champions but they've always been that, and I don't know that there's a ton of innovation. If And you've seen the 5, but if you had a 5T, would you upgrade to the 6? Well, since they're on a six-month release window, the answer is probably no, okay. because those phones are literally six months apart. True. But I, I'm going to disagree. I, I think the OnePlus 6, I know this sounds like, this is a weird thing to say, but there's some phones that you just... You use them and you're like, this phone feels somehow better than other phones or it works better or whatever else. I don't really know how to quantify this, but of all the phones I've used this year, and that includes the S9 Plus, my Note 8, obviously, we had the G7. Um, so I've, I've spent pretty extensive time with like most of the flagships. The OnePlus 6 stands out. It stands above. I don't really know how to quantify it other than to say it's just it's like a perfect size. The screen's great. The camera really has gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, it may not be quite as good, but it's damn close. And their version of Android is awesome. Um, it's stock, but it has useful tweaks and some nice things that you can do with it. And it's blazing fast. And they're fast to update. And there's just a lot of good things happening there. And I, I don't know. As I said, for some reason, when you look on paper, like it's really not that much different than the G7 in some ways or, or some other things. But it's a better, it's a better phone. It's got an alert slider. I wish they would do a different color on the alert slider. That would be great. But ultimately, uh, I think, you know, I, I agree. I think that there is a lot of phone that you're getting there for the money. And even though the price has been increased in recent years, it's still it's still less than most of the modern day flagships. You're getting now closer to like 85 to 90% of a flagship with, you know, 65% of the price. So it's good. And... It's funny that what we're doing is... Hi, Sadie. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome our special guest star. The dog is, the dog decided that she needed to come in and join the podcast and was sitting at the door, like, crying and whimpering because she she's wasn't like, being included. She's like, I want to have my day in technology, too. Yeah, she likes tech. The, the OnePlus 6, if that's our standout phone so far this year, then I think the bar is pretty low. I disagree. I think the OnePlus 6 stands out in the last couple years as one of my favorite phones that I've used. It's a great phone, but if we're putting it up there with, if that is the, the best phone that this year had to offer, I think if you went back to 2017 and said, is the OnePlus 5T the best phone that was offered in that year? We'd probably both say no, right? Yeah, but maybe the point here is that since everyone kind of stagnated in OnePlus, I like what they did. And maybe we're to the point where it's also like, again, this is this comes a pricing issue, right? So it's like, 
maybe we've just gotten to a point where the big boys, and we've talked about this for years, but maybe we finally hit it. Are the big boys worth the difference anymore? And maybe this is the year, this is the first year for me where I actually would say no. Hmm. Like the one plus six is because before the camera Delta was enough that it was like the camera's a big freaking deal. Yeah. So I want a camera that can compete, but I'm going to tell you taking pictures side by side with the note eight, I'm pretty sure OnePlus copied Samsung's processing or used it as a reference point. Copy is perhaps the wrong word because it seems to expose pictures very similar to what Samsung does, which is quite a bit different than the way the Pixel does, by the way. Yeah. And side by side with my phone, like it's pretty close. Again, in like super dark, the Samsung still has an edge, I would say. And sometimes in the day, like I prefer the way the Samsung does it slightly, but we're talking slightly. When I had the OnePlus 5 next year and had the picture side by side, it was like, there's a clear delineation between the tiers. It's like, you know, I would give the OnePlus, if, you know, if Samsung's a 10, I would give the OnePlus 5 like a six and a half, seven typically. Mm. Whereas this year, it's probably more like if Samsung's a 10, the OnePlus 6, depending on the situation in the light, is more like an eight and a half, nine. <laughs> so at that point, if it's that close in camera, it gets excellent battery life, it's way less expensive, and its performance is actually better yeah, I, I don't there's know. A, there's an argument to be made there for do are the smartphone are the premium smartphones worth the premium that you're going to pay for them? And maybe that's a subject for another podcast. We've but, discussed it before. I mean, we've yeah, had this discussion, yeah. and, and is it still missing things? Yeah, like in years past, we've said the main differences are usually an IP rating, and the camera's not as good. Yeah. Well, the camera's damn near as good. It still doesn't have a proper IP rating, but it seems to actually be splash, waterproof splash proof yeah. like people have dropped in water and it survives they just didn't certify it or I don't know what but I, man that gap is closing fast relatively so and there are other things that you can you can pick on and you can point out which are also failings of some of the other smartphones so expandable storage maybe um, wireless charging maybe but it has a headphone um, jack it does have a headphone jack which is a rare and, and dying breed and I would say yes in the past you're probably looking at if the OnePlus 5 and the OnePlus 5T's cameras were uh, you know six and a half on a solid scale they're probably closer to Motorola style cameras which are probably you know a 5 than they are you know a Samsung or a Pixel 2 XL which you know Motorola if that's your reference point for mobile cameras then you're probably in the wrong place but having advanced the technology to the point where you know the camera's good enough then yeah maybe 550 is a better deal although you know again in certain circumstances uh, my wife got an s9 recently for about that price so would i take the s9 you know maybe yeah there's a trade-in involved right yeah so i mean again like yes i see all your points but i would say expandable storage if you have 128 gig it's like eh I don't know if expandable storage means that much at that point. Oh, clearly, when I can get my one terabyte SD card in there. No one needs a one terabyte SD card. Someday I'll have one, and I'll regret saying that on, you know, for the record. You may have it in your Note 9, in fact. <laughs> God damn it. Um, I'm not even going to refute that. But it's just one of those things where, yeah, I don't know. As I said... Not not only were we not splitting hairs anymore, like legitly, if you put a gun to my head and said pick one, I would, I would actually buy the One Plus Six this year. So far, for me, so far up to this point, um, the Note Nine, I think I would consider in the future if you put a gun to my head because the four thousand mAh battery certainly seems like something that would be pretty great. Bluetooth pen. 
Bluetooth pen. For sure. No, I agree. And I, I, but I don't think that it takes away from the fact. And one of the other things that we haven't talked about that we have talked about in the past is limited availability with the OnePlus 6 because it is only GSM. So you can only get it with AT&T and T-Mobile. So the vast majority of Verizon customers aren't going to have that as an option. So you know what? Beyond that. If you're on Verizon screw at you. this point, it's your fault. Screw you, you, Verizon And the only other one that's cut out is Sprint and they're going to be T-Mobile soon enough. So as I said, <clears> that's on you. I'm sorry. What the... Sprint? Yes. Yeah, Never, right. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. T-Mobile. Yeah. Sprintel. Um, but by and large, I think that that really more than, more or less proves my point. 2018 has been kind of a disappointing year. And maybe it was always going to be a disappointing year. And maybe it needs to be a disappointing year so that we can work out the bugs and get to what is next in terms of the future of mobile smartphones? Yeah, like overall, this year's weird. We've had down years before. I would say the prime example is the 2015 is probably the worst God. year I can remember. Um, that was trash. The only phones even worth a damn were the Samsung because they didn't happen to have the Snapdragon 810 or 808. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I mean, the G4, like it was a motley crew of, of, oh, of uh, yeah. phones that year. But I would say... The S10 ruined like a ton of phones. The A10. Yeah, the Snapdragon A10. Yeah, the Snapdragon Yeah, yeah it, it's... Uh, yes. So, I, I mean, we've had off years before, and 2015 still stands out to me as the bottom of the barrel year. But 2018 is, like, it's sneaking up. I don't know, 2016 wasn't great either because we had the note burning up, and I would say the S820 was also not a great ship in the A21. Yeah, yeah, but we did get the first Pixel, and we got some other cool stuff. So, overall, like... 2015 is my dumpster fire year, but I would say 2018 may be my second least favorite so far. It's pretty close. We'll see. It's getting there. It's definitely getting there. Maybe we'll get a surprise at the end of the year. Maybe. Well, the only thing that the only thing that would be a good surprise, and it wouldn't even impact me at all, is if Apple did come out and say, "Hey, guess what? Um, our a a12." Yes. Because the A11 Bionic is in the... It's A12 now. Yeah, so yeah. the A12 is a 7 nanometer process, and it's going to crap all over everything all over again. It is a 7 nanometer process. God. And Qualcomm's just, Qualcomm just going to go, what the what the hell are we going to do? Except for like, okay, first of all, the gaps, it's there, but in day-to-day use, it doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. Um, the 3 nanometer difference is a gigantic it's, it's hello. Not. And the other issue is... For whatever lead that Apple has in things like CPU and GPU, and they do, they do on the CPU side, not on the GPU yeah, side. True. Um, they also really don't have it on the phone part of it. And what I mean by that is they are insistent on using Intel chips because they don't want to use Qualcomm's, yeah. and their speed's gimped. They don't do 4x4 MIMO. Like, people ignore this, but the actual network features of the Android phones are really quite a bit further along than Apple's. So it's like, they do have a big lead on the CPU side, but not in a lot of other areas. And also, another exciting surprise for Apple, they may in fact be sourcing LG OLED panels. Well, it looks like for sure they're sourcing LG OLED panels, but they're only doing like, I've seen numbers between four and six million, which... It's bizarre. That's, I don't... They're going to sell way more than four to six million well, phones. Well, that's what I mean, though. It's like, it looks like it's a percentage of, like, one of the models, presumably the larger one. Mm. But that's weird. Like, you're playing Russian roulette now. If I were a consumer and I got an LG, I'd be like, Screw RMA. You. Yeah, exactly. Give me the Samsung one. Unless, unless, maybe they bridge the gap enough in a year that they caught up to Samsung, but... An individual calibration, which is what they did for the iPhone X's uh, OLED panel, makes makes a big difference instead of batch calibration. 
And by that, we mean only that instead of setting a piece of the organic LED material as a reference point and then calibrating everything to that, which naturally produces variation, basically every panel that's cut gets its own individual calibration, which if you're using a set set of color space, you can, you can do some really, really great looking stuff. It's incredibly time consuming and also incredibly expensive, but since Apple basically prints money, they can probably do that. So maybe a combination of second gen LE tech, individual calibration, and small sample size may produce some quality results. I'm still getting an RMA though. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like it, we're not just talking about screen calibration. We're talking about like the controller. Samsung's been honing their controller for years. LG couldn't do black like all the way. Like it couldn't turn the pixels off all the way because it wasn't sophisticated enough to do it. Um, and you have black crush issues, although the calibration Samsung used on the S9 Plus also produce, produces this Crushing. problem. But it, you know, it was grainy. We're, we're talking about more than just calibration. We're talking about actually like physical differences with the way the screen mm. functions. And maybe they have been able to bridge that gap. I mean, with money, anything's possible. But like, Apple's got a lot of it. Samsung's been honing LED tech, L OLED tech for years, and LG has had problems since they've done it. Like the Flex One, the Flex Two, the V Thirty, the Pixel Two XL. Every single one has had like some problem. Which is bizarre because their TVs are actually pretty good. Like you'd think they could take a good LED TV panel and shrink it down and make a good phone panel. This is a nerd topic for another day, but they yeah. work completely differently. Yeah. The LED TVs actually is, it's a white LED and they just put basically like a color filter in front of it. So it's not, it's actually a white pixel that just has colors in front of it. And that's how it's creating the image. Whereas on phones, it's a discrete RBG color like it's not doing so it's not the same tech yeah but you would think that they would be able to yeah anyway miniaturize it a nerd topic for another that's, day that's a little far that's uh what do they say on the verge cast that's a little too inside baseball so um what else what haven't we covered i think we've kind of covered it as i said it's been a weird freaking year so we'll have to do another one of these after the note nine comes out where I talk shit and then inevitably break down and buy one. And then... Um, then we'll have the Pixel 3 XL where, where you I talk shit talk and then inevitably and then break, down, inevitably and break one. down and buy one. Too. And then we can look forward to our end of the year awards where I inevitably give it to the newest Note and you inevitably give it to the newest Pixel. That's so because, we have that to look forward to. Yeah, the Pixel is lord of all. We know that. And then, you know, when the new bezel-less phones come out next year, we can lust and... We can basically have our uh, fearless predictions for 2019 where we can rest assured that we will fearlessly predict that we will probably buy a new phone and foldable phones it's they're coming and boy i bet the first generation is going to be some really trashy crap it's, yeah it's going to be garbage that's definitely going to be hot garbage i can't but i'm very much looking forward to it the best part is it's going to be expensive garbage because like <laughs> it's going to be like give me 1600 dollars for this foldable phone that has like a plastic screen that's probably going to scratch into oblivion and people are going to be like Please, sir, may I have another? <laughs> and then we're going to look back in a few years and be like, what the fuck were we, we thinking? thinking? Who needs yeah. a folding phone? Like, what the hell? Exactly. Now that I've got my holographic display technology, <laughs> uh, big shout to Red. Um, well, I think that... Oh, the Red phone. That's coming, too. Maybe. It, oh, no, it's coming. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. It was supposed to be here in June, so it may be coming. It may look, not be coming. Who doesn't want a $1,400 phone with last year's processor? Uh, MKBHD. And a four factor from 2015. Who wouldn't want that? MKBHD by three. <laughs> MKBHD has enough money where he can buy whatever he wants. That's true. He <laughs> just bought a robot. So, well, I guess then that probably wraps it up. Yeah. 
It feels good to be back. It does. It does. This was good. And thank you for listening. If you've made it uh, all this way, listener, remember, you, you are our very favorite. And as always, you can find all of our stuff over at SiliconTheory.com. Follow us on social. We are at Silicon Theory on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the aforementioned uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory. All that stuff will be linked in the show notes as well, so make sure you head on down there and check it out. Thanks again for listening, and as always, we will talk tech soon. Good night, y'all.